1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. A tradition like no other, and it only
0: happens on Tuesday. Howard picks the bills. Brought to you by Admark Construction Equipment and Supplies. Equipment you need when you need it.
1: Okay, welcome back, y'all. We're uh switching gears. We're gonna talk to my good pal Joe Yerdin now, who joins me on the Western Hotline and talk a little Sabres Devils. Joe, good e- uh good evening, holy cow. Good uh good afternoon to you, friend. I just assumed we were out getting beers.
0: Yeah, you know what, that's a sa- it's always a safe assumption to make, man. It's uh yeah, no, it's a uh, beautiful, beautiful day out here in Albany. I'm a little bit of a ways a little ways across the state, but it's uh but yeah. Interesting game last night, eh?
1: Interesting game. Uh let's before we like maybe talk about the Sabres here, um man, that Devils team seems as fast as like any team that has been created so far in the edge. I mean they are fast. They can play defense and they can score when they need to. Um that's a that's an up and coming team there, Joe.
0: Yeah, they it's it's funny, it kind of snuck up on people which Seems weird because you know they've had a they've had a few pretty high draft picks. I mean, Nico Isher, yeah. Jack Hughes, uh, but they've been able to build in behind those guys with some really good talent. You know, I, I think of Jager uh, Sherengovich. I mean, these names might be foreign to everybody, but Jager Sherengovich, uh, Dawson Mercer. I mean, they, they're, they're, there's a lot of guys. Jesper Brat, like these are some very good players, and they play a very fast high intensity brand of hockey that Buffalo hasn't encountered yet this season and it kind of showed early on because they looked a little shell shocked trying to handle it and that's what the devils have been doing to everybody this season it's just they, they've caught everybody off guard
1: you know what I'll i mean again i i maybe don't want to beat a dead horse about how much I enjoyed listening to Don Granado talk, especially after games, especially when he can like kind of off the cuff react to his team's performance. And I liked a lot of what he said yesterday. I mean, they, they did for the most part, you know, I think you're right, especially initially early in the hockey game, it did feel like they were a little shell shocked and they were playing on their heels, but once they sort of figured things out, like Don Granado pointed this as a really good learning experience for this team. And And I want to maybe keep harping on the fact that this is a young hockey team who I guess, you know, were some of our expectations maybe moved and wrongly moved after a really strong start sure I mean that's kind of how it's felt the last couple of years and then they go on that seven game losing streak and you're like oh boy nothing has changed but I, I think seeing them shift away from the, those struggles and learning what they're learning and how Don Granado has talked about using this as an opportunity to learn and that other teams he's been with other teams that have veterans that have gone through eight seven eight game losing streaks right mm-hmm. and maybe it's 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 less constructive when you're talking about guys who have been here in the league before, but guys who have not gone through this, I think it's still probably important and used as a learning experience and probably don't have a better developmental coach than Don Granado to help them through this, but to see them come out the other side of the tunnel um, and to see the, I know you and I kind of like joked about it the other night, but like the impact that Matias Samuelson just continues to play on this mm-hmm. blue line, um, you know, better for it or am I like maybe grasping at straws here?
0: No, no. I, I think they are better for it. And, you know, I I've asked this to Don a couple of times and I, he's probably gotten annoyed at me asking, asking about it and, you know, trying to reword it in different ways. But his, his idea with, you know, when dealing with, you know, with hardships and even the high moments is to let the, let these guys experience, let them, let them feel it, let them understand what it's like to, to, to handle it because it's the only way you're going to get that experience. So I, you know, I get like having, you know looking at things through that lens because again yeah it, the, half this team is, is stupid young I mean, it's the youngest team in the league and I think if you had a team loaded with veterans that that goes into a funk where you're losing seven or eight games in a row you're think you're you're thinking you're in trouble because they're veterans they've been there they know what they know what it's like they know what it's like to go through that and sometimes you get caught up in it and you're just like okay well this is the way it's going to be this is how it's going to be with young guys it's the, the highs are higher and the lows feel lower because they haven't gone through it yet. They haven't, you know, been kind of numbed off to those experiences because they haven't done it. So when you're, when you're going through these things, like, yeah, yeah, you, you, you do want to feel it. And, you know, you could see him snap out of it in a, in a heartbeat. Like they did that against Montreal. I mean, they going to Montreal and you're on a long, you're on a long losing streak. And then suddenly you're popping seven goals by him and you're feeling right. great. And then they've followed up with, uh, against St. Louis and, and do basically the same thing. So, you know, you, you got to handle these things, but and you got to make sure you, that the habits are all right. Uh, and I think that's more what, what Granado's got to get takes care of with these guys. Is that as long as they're doing the right things and as long as they're going through things the proper ways, things will figure themselves out. It's just you know, it's it gets tough in the moment.
1: He is, he has the noted jerk noted hockey sub stack. He does the Maintenance Day podcast with Lance Likowski of the Buffalo News, and he's also a Bleacher Report contributor. Joe Yurden here on our West Her Hotline. We're talking some Sabres, some Sabres devils, of course. But um, I wanted to ask you about Tyson Joseph's game, because obviously since coming over on waivers, um, has been a guy that I think Almost gets his first goal yesterday, two goals that were did not count because of, quote, early whistles or whatever the hell that was. Um, <laughs> I, I've liked his game. I've liked what he's brought, especially to the bottom of the lineup. I, I think right now, Joe, it's safe to say with—and we'll talk about this. We'll talk about the second line in a minute because their underlying numbers are bananas. They just have had mm-hmm. some of the worst luck that I've seen in terms of putting the puck into the net. Um, than than any young line I've seen a long time, but they are it—the the the Quinn Paterka and Cousins line, like that's the future of that second line. You will love to see it, but the bottom not, the bottom six once again is just this kind of mishmash of yeah, guys that they are tied to because they either drafted or they're in the process of developing that haven't quite gotten there yet, or they're just kind of struggling and, and peddling along. Jost is a nice little player for this bottom not, bottom six, I would say, and 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 brings a maybe a, a better. Maybe energy set or or defensive mindset that maybe I thought he was going to bring um, based on where he was drafted. Yeah,
0: he. Uh, it, it, this happens sometimes with guys that are taken, you know, in the first round. He was a high pick. I mean, he was what tenth uh, overall, I think. Yeah, yeah, he was tenth. Yeah, uh, so you come in with that hype, with that thought that okay, this guy's going to be a big time scorer, and he's going to fill the net, and then you know he's got to go from there. Sometimes things change along the road. Cause think about it. You get drafted at eighteen. You know, are you a settled person yet? No. Have you figured everything out yet? Definitely not. Uh, and you know, he you know he spent a year at college, played at North Dakota, and you know was was a you know was was a big player there. Came out and then you know winds up in Colorado where they're they're a little bit stacked up with players, and you know then he gets he gets moved off to Minnesota last season, misses out on playing on the Stanley Cup team, which hurts. Yep. But he's he's had to kind of alter his game in a way and he's coming he comes into Buffalo as like as a hungry ready to prove stuff kind of player because you know I mean you get waves you get put on waivers by by the wild the wild has you know been kind of going through it a little bit and you're thinking like geez like these guys don't even want to you know, keep me around it's like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna show them I got to prove it to them and he's come in and you know I think they, 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 they' he came in and they gave him the idea of like okay here's what we envision for you go out and get it uh, because, you know, one of the, the, the things we talked to him about his first, you know, his first day here was, was about playing in the PK uh, and, you know, they had just gotten shredded yep. on, on, on the, and the, the, the PK, you know, the game before. And you're thinking, okay, well, you know, that's nice, but you know, what else can he do? Well, that, you know, first game, out he just comes out and drops the gloves, you know, in the first minute of the game. And you're like, okay, well, this guy's ready to roll. yeah. Uh, but he's played very intense. He's played very fast, very upfront hockey, and I think that's it's important for that kind of line. You know, you put him with Zemgus, you put him with Kyle Pozo Like those guys have been doing that for a while. But you you add in Jost and and you have him get in there and in, into that mix. Suddenly you're thinking like, okay, well, you know, we've been trying to, you know, trying to work things out with Peyton Krebs and get him figured out in that spot. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's not ultimately where you want to play him. Correct. That's just not not where you want to go with him. But Jost in that spot is perfect. And it's it's worked really well. The possession numbers are great for him through the last couple of games. So you like to see that, but it, it does open up another question with, you know, how do you handle Krebs now? And I think that's where things are a little bit crowded at the moment.
1: I would agree, and, and I, I also agree with your point of the better fit between those two. It just, it feels like a waste to put Peyton Krebs on, on you know, quote-unquote fourth line between mm-hmm. Zemgus and because he's just, and opposite and, and because it doesn't feel like he's really at the point where he's driving play offensively, and you know, you like the idea, like I've liked the idea of finding a way to get Asplund paired with Krebs no matter what so that that underlying, the, that underlying Defensive responsibility of Asplund, and I think if you look at the underlying numbers when they're paired, Krebs goes from a defensive liability to being like kind of average and and being replacement level, which is what you want to see from him. And the question is, can you put him with a defensive responsible player and find someone with enough offensive impact on the other side to unleash the passing that. You know and and like the passing acumen that you know Krebs is capable of and has and i, I will tell you that obviously the, integra- the the integration of of you know of Tuck has been seamless as it gets i mean he is on pace for whatever like forty one goals this year. I am in no worries of where they are with with him I do wonder though how they find that place for Krebs. Is he a center? Is he a wing? Can he play on a line that, that has some offensive acumen without having any level of defensive acumen on it? And, and I just wonder, it's more so, I agree with you about the crowded nature of the forward group right now, but I'm also trying to project this long-term. If we're talking about a third-line player, which I think we are, how do you make this work with him if he's not because he's not a guy that's going to fill the the stat sheet with goals anyways? Who do you get with him that you can really get them and maximize his passing ability? And I think that's probably where Don Granato is going to have his toughest task.
0: Yeah, and there there's a couple things at play here. Like Krebs didn't have a lot of time in the AHL. You know, he he went from he went from the WHL uh where you know, he had an injury to deal with. He you know, he got through that. Uh, and then he comes into, he, you know, he goes into Vegas, you know, last season for his first, you know, kind of real go around, gets kind of thrown into the mix with Vegas for, for a handful of games because they had injury problems, uh, only plays a handful of games with Henderson in the AHL. And then he comes over to Buffalo and, you know, he's playing in the NHL right away. And, you know, he, you know, he goes play, plays in the AHL in the playoffs, which was great for him. That was, he looked awesome. Uh, but he hasn't had a lot of development time in development leagues, you know, that, that, that's right. how I look at it with him. And, you know, learning that stuff on the fly and, and trying to, you know, get caught up when you haven't had that time makes life difficult because, you know, we've all seen what he's capable of. He's sure. a brilliant passer. He's got a, he's a fantastic offensive minded player. Um, you know, the defensive stuff needs work, but it needs, every, every young guy needs to work with that. But uh, in my mind, if you have a line with Krebs centering Asplund and Olsen, that seems like it could be pretty good. It's that, you know, you're asking, you're asking Asplund to maybe pick up a lot of the the slack there defensively. But I mean, Olson's gotten a little bit better now at five on five, so that's an improvement. But then it leads to another question: What, what do you do with Casey Middlestat?
1: Right. So yeah. You, you
0: know, and right. Middlestat's kind of you know he had a very you know, he and Olson had a very good game last night, I thought. But uh, you know, they're kind of getting through, going through, and, and figuring out how to get better at five on five. So it's it's a lot of little. They're not fires, but they're little things that Grunato's got to try to figure out how to take care of them. And I, I you know everybody in Rochester screaming to get Krebs sent down there, but I don't, you know... I mean, listen, he'll get the game, and he'll play great, but I don't know what he's exactly he'd be proving there. But, you know, I don't know if that's ultimately the, the way you have to go to treat that, but it's, uh, it's a nice problem to have. It's it's a little awkward right now just because you're trying to find ice time for everybody, and that's what they want yeah. to do. They don't want to have guys sitting out. Like, that's that's not... That's not ideal, um, but in Krebs's case, this is—it's it, it, something that's going to take a little bit of time to figure out, just because that development—that uh, development time hasn't really been there for him.
1: Yeah, and, and I wonder. Like, I think about this, and like from a career arc, is you have two developmental looks on this team right now. You talked about Casey Middlestad and kind of his i don't I don't know what you what you even want to call what what we've got with Casey middlestat right now he's it's an up and down player, the line i mean is out there for a lot of goals against, and you know that that that's something to keep in mind and, and kind of how his whole developmental process went right i mean he when he got demoted mm-hmm. down to Rochester, came back up, then the injuries happened it was he was just a hard evaluation and then you look at Tage right like a guy who also got sent down to Rochester after being traded mm-hmm. here, and there was this expectation that he could play at this level right away because of his size because of his speed and it it just didn't work. They sent him down to Rochester, and that really ended up, I think, being one of the better things for him. And then, obviously, the move to center changed his entire career arc. Now, mm-hmm. like, where do you? If I were to ask you, like, if you had a you were a betting man, what Peyton Krebs is? I, how many guys are going to turn into Tage Thompson and turn into forty goal scores? That's not going to be Peyton Krebs. But like, I also think, you know, I, I guess my concern and my my hope is that this doesn't turn into a Casey Middlestadt thing where he kind of struggles to get in and out of the lineup especially early on and then injuries and then he just becomes a hard guy to evaluate and then all of a sudden his contracts up and you're wondering whether or not you want to move with, move forward with him long term like do, do you feel like the move back down to Rochester maybe even if it's for a prolonged period the rest of the season this year maybe makes the most sense for his long term development although it would probably have a short term mental impact
0: yeah I, I think that's i think it would have to be something that is somewhere in the back of their minds, you know, whether it's Kevin Adams or Don Granato or both of them. I mean, they they work in concert. So if it's something that they agree on, that's something they would do. Um, in the short term, it, it would be it would be difficult, uh, just because you know you you have seen them a lot already at the NHL level, and you know one of the part of one of their their plans was to kind of work him and Quinn, and even Asplund. It looked like they you know they were kind of rotating in and out of the lineup, trying to figure out. Uh, trying to make sure guys get minutes, guys get games, and and, and play that way. But but Quinn has uh, to me Quinn solidified himself in the lineup. I, I don't think he, I don't think he comes out of the lineup again unless he's hurt. Uh, with the way he's played, and you know in Krebs' case, I mean, you're you're hoping to have that kind of a breakout game. But again, you know, it goes back to the point we were talking about. You know, it's tough to do with you know playing with Gergensen and Opozo. and you know it's it's hard to do there because your 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 minutes are limited, and you know the opportunities aren't always going to be there with those guys. But a move to Rochester. I mean, I, I think that's more like a, it's almost more like a philosophical thing, really, for the for the team. Because uh, you know, if you send him down there and he just starts lighting it up and he's you know he racks up assists and goals and points and all that, you're like, well, okay, yeah, we knew he could do that. Sure, we knew he's, we knew he's better than that. But how do we get him into the lineup in Buffalo? And that's that's where things get more a little more difficult. But I mean, ideally, you want that to be a competition thing. Um, but the thing is, who is he competing against? I mean, I guess it's, yeah. I, I suppose it's Tyson Jones. Um, but I, you know, and they're very adamant about, you know, about playing Middlestat. And you know, Middlestat hasn't exactly played bad.
1: And no, he just hasn't played like particularly good.
0: Right, and they're they're being patient with him because of what happened with the injury sure. start last year. I mean, he, you know, he had a fantastic training camp, and then you know he comes out, you know, gets a, gets injured, and then he's out for a bunch, and then he comes back, and then he wasn't ready for it. and He goes back out, so you know it's hard you don't want to you don't want to punt on somebody that you, that you, that might still be very good, but you're not sure yet. Like that's that's the whole part of the evaluation process that you you don't want to be guilty of. You got so many young guys; you, it's very hard to move on from them unless you're absolutely 100 percent sure. Like, yeah, this guy ain't got it. We got to go.
1: And I think this it was either I, I couldn't necessarily make out who asked the question. Um, it was maybe last week after their eighth straight loss, right? And I was listening to Don's uh, post game presser, and I think it was Paul who might have asked something like, you know, looking back, do you guys maybe regret having so many young guys on one team without maybe having more of that veteran presence um, because of like, a lot of the growing pains that you're going to go through and knowing that there's these experiences they have to have and they have to experience to grow. Is there like the regret maybe looking back in the roster development of not having one or maybe two, especially on the blue line, but having one or two more veterans that maybe they can lean on in some of these tough moments, maybe not from an on-ice perspective, but just somebody that's on the bench that a young guy can go to or pairing up a young guy on the line with someone who's been there, who's done that. And, and, and I think it was a fair question. and I love Don's response. It was more like, you know, kind of along the lines of, we believe this experience is really important for them. And what are we going to do? We're going to bring in a veteran guy who's going to take minutes away from some of these guys to have an opportunity to learn from it. But like, I think it's a, and he even said it, like it's a fair question to ask. Like, right. is the roster construction, you know, almost holding back some of these young players from developing?
0: Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. It was Paul who asked that because, because uh, that, I mean, again, that's it's an extremely fair question to ask. You know, given how. Things were going at that moment and you know you know where the lineup was going and and some of the effect because you can see it visibly on the ice when things get down everybody's head gets down and you know times get tough and it, it's it's hard to snap out of that in the moment you always it always takes a goal to do that but you know sometimes that next goal doesn't happen um it, it's you know it it go i think it goes to where they felt the expectations were going to be for this season like if, if this was if they had playoffs in mind from day one which i mean they're always going to tell you they do you know they're always going to say oh we're going to hear a win stand the Stanley cup okay i get it but realistically what are, what are the goals i think when you look up and down the lineup you're like well this is going to be a development year for a lot of guys so playoffs are maybe asking a lot of everybody um but you start out hot and the things you're like okay like what are we doing here like you know are we going to push or what but um, but it is a development year and it that usually means you're not going to be going to the post season but you got to figure out how to get these guys in the best position for next year when they are going to be you know when playoffs are a legitimate goal uh and you want to move on move on from you know kind of middling around and you know setting your goal for like 80 85 90 points maybe but um but you, but you can't do that unless you kind of go through it i guess that's you know it it's it, if you have a team that like kind of jumps out of nowhere and leaps into the playoffs. I mean, it's happened to the avalanche a couple of times where, you know, out of, out of the blue, they just jumped into the playoffs and you're like, Whoa, where'd that come from? And then the next year they're horrible. You know, that that's the kind of up and down stuff you want to avoid. Um, but they have, but there's just so many, there's so many young guys that they're, that they're, that they're putting right into it now that, uh, that going through those ups and downs right now, it's better to do that now and figure out how to get past them than it is to get into a, okay, we got to make the playoffs this year point. And then if you've had a bunch of guys that have not gone through that, suddenly it's pressure time and guys might be cracking or it's, you know, the, it's it's natural. So, you know, figure it out now and kind of move from there. It requires patience. And I know fans
1: are way out of patience. Yeah, I, no, yeah, I, I mean, 100% get that. It doesn't exist anymore. I mean, pro sports oh, in general, you know, like. Oh, yeah. And and frankly, the Sabres are, are probably have the luxury of having more patience in their fan base than any major sports team does Anywhere, I mean, and that that I'm being real about that. Like, like this, this organization has the luxury of a level of patience that. You know the Rangers and the Devils and like any other team in the league has and go to any other major sports league. I mean, coaches get fired for way less than what mm-hmm. they've gone through over the past couple of years. But I think that patience is probably looking a lot at the team that exists here in the NFL in Buffalo as well and looking at the patience and how that sort of played out and and progressed for Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and and like all the great things that have happened to them. And I think that there's like this idea that okay, well, if we give Kevin Adams the patience that you know we gave maybe other people now. It didn't take three or four years in Buffalo. It only took like a year or two. But the, I, I think if you want to look at a way to maybe push patience in the right direction, look at and, and kind of my, my roundabout way of getting to our last topic here, which is that second line of Cousins, Paterka and Quinn. If you were watching last year at all, especially in the playoffs, this really isn't a surprise to you to see Paterka and Quinn be so successful, at least in the underlying numbers. Now, they haven't filled the net quite as much as maybe Quinn in particular should have. It. I mean, how many posts has this guy hit? Um, but, like, man, I'm still sort of waiting for the Dylan Cousins come out. Um, like, his underlying numbers are, especially five on five, are insane. Where are you with that line? And, and are you at all surprised with the underlying success these guys have had? I'm not,
0: because I, Cousins is the guy driving the bus for those for that line and he's he's been that way since he since last season honestly um you know the, the 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 advanced numbers the underlying numbers have been so good with him that it's just a matter of like well the goals are going to come They're, they they got to happen you know and maybe he's got to shoot a little more i guess you know but it's you know when you got a line with, with quinn and Paterka, maybe you don't need to shoot as much maybe you just got to cash in on some rebounds or something like that but it's uh it, it's a line that i'm not surprised as playing playing as well as they are. Um I'm eager to see where it goes from here because I think that that I want to think that that line's kind of settled out now. Obviously, you know, if something hits, you know, somebody hits a hits a hits a barricade along the way, then it's, you know, you got to kind of figure things out from there, but I, but the way that they play together, it's a it's a different sort of energy line where, you know, not coming out and hitting people, they're coming out and blitzing you taking the puck away, trying to create turnovers in, you know, in their, in the other team zone and, 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 and popping goals. So it's a, uh, it's a lot more fun. <laughs> it's a lot more fun having those guys playing together. And, you know, I, I mean, for cousins, I mean, the offense will be there. Yes, I agree. I, I don't, I don't, he's the one guy I I have like the least concern about offensively because I'm just like the way he plays, it's just not, goals are going to happen. Uh, whether it's with him or if it's his wingmates, like it's going to be.
1: in the world, like the World Cup of there. Hockey or like, where, the, the, where they played a couple of months ago during the off season where he was on the line with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, right? And he's at, he's at left wing. I think he was. And having that player be able to set him up, I do think is kind of the next phase of how you unlock him offensively. And I'm wondering if that's Paterka.
0: Yeah, you know, that's – you're saying put Cousins on the wing? No, not necessarily.
1: I'm just saying, like, having someone on a line that can set him up more times than not. Like, he Hmm. was unleashed as a goal scorer when, like – Dubois was playing with him, and I think he was really the beneficiary of having a guy that has great vision and can set him up in those, especially just in like those high-danger areas. He doesn't really, I'm not sure if he has that on this line or if he's going to have to be the guy that sets those guys up, um, but like, I look at Paterka and I see like a guy that absolutely he's got the speed and with the puck in his hands, like he can do things as a goal scorer, but I also maybe look at him as and, and sort of projecting in the future as a guy that can sort of set the other guys up on that line.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think Paterka is—he's he, shown himself to be a little bit more of a finisher um, than I thought he was going
1: to be. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I mean, you know, <laughs> <if> he's what <laughs> maybe twenty games into his yeah, I right, at this course, point, course, course. so I mean, it's it's gonna it's gonna prove itself out. But that's with that group, though, uh, you know, I I think the, whatever the future holds for them, I, the way I could see it end up playing out is if you really want to get Cousins offense going you want to get him scoring goals ultimately to me that's where Krebs yeah up. I would agree he centers yeah. and then Cousins goes to the wing and then you know you've got you've got Quinn on the other side of that but um but again you got to move you got to move a piece somewhere else in the top six ideally for Paterka to slide in there to, to to go to where he's supposed to go but that's but that's a down the road kind of thing but for right now um You know, listen. The the number of turnovers that Paterk has created and the opportunities he's he's made for himself are is incredible. Quinn has just been snake bit by bad luck, and Cousins Cousins does all the dirty work. You know, he's he's the guy getting the wrestling the puck back. He's the guy, you know, laying the hits. He's the guy kind of stirring it up out there. So, I I don't sweat that group whatsoever. I I think that they're a lot of fun to watch, and I think the fans love it. And they got some they got some important. Uh, Simon's last night late in the game where, you know, they're fighting for a goal and they get the call off the bench to go out there and try to get one. So they're, they're earning a lot of, they're earning a lot of respect and they're earning a lot of trust from, from Granado. So that says a lot about how they're playing. All
1: right, buddy. I appreciate you. What a great conversation. Uh, enjoy your weekend in Albany and appreciate you very much. And uh, we'll see each other soon, buddy.
0: Hey, you got it, Nate. Thanks, man. All
1: right. Joe Yerdon there on our Wester hotline, the, Uh, noted substack. Make sure you check him out there. Uh, You can check out his written work at Bleacher Report as well, and he also has the uh, Maintenance Day podcast with Lance Lykowski. I'm going to take a timeout. Bruce Nolan on the other side. More Bills talk coming up here on WGR.
0: Sal Capaccio takes you behind the scenes on Buffalo Bills game day with Sal's All Access. Watch it live on WGR's Facebook page. Sal's All Access presented by Duncan. America runs on Duncan.